Welcome to Get Your Rocks Off with Mick Wall, the world's leading rock and metal writer. Each week, he'll unpack stories, stories that you won't find in print. So pour yourself a Jack and Coke and get ready to get your rocks off. This episode is brought to you by the Get Your Store. For all of your Get Your Rocks Off merch, including t-shirts, face masks, and yep, Hotel Tropicana coffee mugs, head over to getyourstore.com. Hello, my name is David Coverdale, and I'm here today to introduce you to my very good friend, Michael Wall, and his very good friend, Jonathan Houghton. Isn't that correct, Jonathan? <laughs> David Coverdale sort of sounds a bit like a, you know, the character of a tortoise in a children's <laughs> cartoon. That's I, very much how you'd voice that, I think. I tell you what. Is, are you auditioning for voiceover work? Are you available? <laughs> I am always available. Always available. available. Yeah. I read this quote about Sharon Osbourne, you know, who just lost her gig on American television after being accused of being racist. Yeah. Um, and there was a fantastic quote from someone saying, she'll never work again. And then someone who works for her said, dude, Sharon doesn't go looking for work. The work comes looking for her. Does it? And that's yeah. something. Yeah, me her, and Sha- her see, me she's going to end up on. She's going to end up on GB News or something like that. <laughs> as all <laughs> old white people who've said something vaguely <laughs> racist do. Or cancel TV. Yeah, cancel TV when you're on with <laughs> Katie Hopkins and. <laughs> <laughs> and our president, yeah. Trump. Yeah, Trump. Yeah, Trump. Trump. Good old they Trump. stole the well, election. It's weird, isn't it? It's like all gone quiet on the mm. Trump front. Yeah. He's well, don't don't his... don't don't say that too often because no. it will change. Yeah, you know? Probably. Anyway, um, this is the Get Your Rocks Off podcast, John and me, and uh, today, and uh, we're going to talk about John. We're going to talk about probably your all-time favourite group today, aren't we? We are. Not yeah. Marino. Sorry, your second favourite. All-time. Marillion. Is it Marillion Day no, today? Third, third. Oh, come on. <laughs> you were just singing one of their songs. Open up. I thought we were doing Iron Maiden. You said, you said Journey. Yeah, we do, yeah, we're doing Journey and we're doing Iron <laughs> What are we I doing? Th- I thought we were doing Iron the Maiden. Maiden, then Journey. Okay, right. So... <laughs> We are doing the maiden, but here's the twist, okay? Take two. Here's the twist. We're going to do maiden the Dickinson years, okay? Because otherwise... (laughs) The other years would be a fucking short podcast. No, no, I disagree. I disagree. You could do do an early years, including the first two stupendous albums. Then you could do a, a, a 90s era, including... The two stupendous Blaze Bailey albums, or you can just go Dickinson one, Dickinson two. Because my contention is, is that even though critics of the Maiden um, will argue that all their albums sound the same in the same way that they say that about ACDC, my contention is, is that there is a very clear distinction between the Maiden of the first Bruce era and the maiden oh, of the that, second that, Bruce ridiculous. era. They all sound exactly the same. You could, you <laughs> no, could, no, no. You no, could no. pull any track from any era of the maiden with Bruce. And that's the, that's the appeal of it. That's, the, that's why it's good. It's because it sounds of, of one creation. It's almost as well, if... You it's say like that. the universe. Yeah, well, you say that. It's like but... the universe. Okay, it's like this guy did this amazing explanation of... Of, of how the universe expands, right? And he said, what you've got to imagine... Was is his not, name Steve Harris? It was named... <laughs> his name was Stephen Hawking. I don't know if you've heard of this guy. <laughs> Stephen Hawking, the most heavy metal voice ever. I am just going to this lecture. <laughs> yes. What you've got to imagine is that the universe is like 
Imagine you're inflating a balloon, like you're blowing up a balloon. And or, you, or a condom. <laughs> you always have to bring it down, don't you? No, Here's a lovely don't, don't analogy. the discussion. Here's a lovely analogy. And you oh, bring sorry. It down right. to, you're blowing up a balloon. And imagine our solar system has a series of dots to indicate the planets and so on. And then the wider Milky Way and then the universe beyond that. The nether zone and so on. Is that and, and as you blow the balloon up, everything becomes further apart. Everything goes further apart from each other. So you, so you yeah. get that. And what's that got to do with the maiden? Well, the maiden? All of their albums are getting further and further apart from one another. I mean, they've been going for donkeys oh, I see, years I see. and years. But they're all still exactly the same as they were. They're just ah, further apart. But are they? It's like the Father Ted thing. Is no. it big or is it further, or is it far away? It's just far away. You see, Father Ted, they actually wrote one of the all-time classic but as yet unrecorded Iron Maiden songs, Little Horse. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. They were up all night writing Yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing, okay, is you say that about the Maiden. I do say that. Here's what I say. Now, and let me finish. I say, first era, run to the hills. Number of the beast. Bring your daughter to the slaughter. Um, <laughs> um, hallowed be thy name. Two minutes to midnight. I could, wasted years. I could go on. Right. Second era of Bruce. Crickets. Tumbleweed. Where's the hits? I can't name you a single hit from the second era. Go on, yeah, name one. I can't. But there you go. Whether, there you whether, go. Whether or not they're hits is irrelevant. They still sound the same. That was my only point. No, no, no. All right, okay. It's, Cla not, as if classic got, it's not as if they've gone through some kind of radical rethink in between part A and part B. Where are the classics? Well, they might, but that's a, that's a function of time, isn't it? So you might as well say that about all bands. I do You're, say that about do. all you bands. You do. You constantly say that. Who wants to hear the new album from Metallica or whatever? No one because does. Because they don't, and no, they don't. No. Where were the hits on Death Magnetic or whatever. Well, that was, was a called. rubbish album. Exactly. Where were the hits on the last good album they did was Lulu. The last with Lou good Reed, album they as did. As you were just the, saying. Fucking black. They are doing one with Elton John. I mean, that you know. That Goodbye, have, Black Road. That might have a good, good few hits on it. I would imagine. Yeah, what would it be called? Don't shoot me. I'm only the bear hunting reformed yeah. alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah, something like. Something Don't like shoot that. me. Is I'm it, just the overentitled tennis question, is, prodigy. Is Bernie Taupin involved? Elton John's involved. Is Bernie involved? Bernie's working with Axel. Because we saw in we saw in the Metallica film the problem they have with lyrics when when they invited Kirk Hammett to write one and the bloke who was doing their psychotherapy. <laughs> what, what did Kirk come up with? He came up with something. Oh, he came up with something like. This is my life day, the same as my death day. Oh, yeah. And they actually recorded it, didn't they? They did. <laughs> in, in, the, in the want for something else, they yes. actually did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, here's the thing, okay. I think you're evading the point slightly. If you go and see The Maiden play live tomorrow, what of the, uh, we're going to call it Mark II Dickinson era, what... Single song in the Mark II era, would they put into the encore? Well, I don't know. Well, I, I, well, I do know. Uh, go on then. None. Well, yeah, they probably wouldn't. No, I mean, but I would go and see them play Mother Russia and stuff <laughs> like that, which would be better than seeing them play Run to the Hills for the nine hundred and fifty seventh time. Well, see, no, in the actuality, uh, Run to the Hills remains one of the all-time greatest metal songs of all time. It is, it and is. And it's but, an all-time And, and it has, it has on its side what Paranoid has on its side, in that it's quite short. So when you do go to the gig, <laughs> the many, many gigs, and if you have, or, like the great Mick Wall, if you happen to be on the road <laughs> with the Maiden and enjoying their show every night for... <laughs> Taking notes, taking notes, taking notes. At least when they get to run to the hills, you know it isn't rhyme of the ancient mariner. You know it's not going on for the next thirteen minutes. I, I, I was always partial to rhyme of the I ancient know mariner. You were. I'm I'll tell you what else I love. I'll tell you what else I love. And this is beyond the Dickinson era. Is I'm running free. Yeah. I'm running free. Are we all. 
in the list of other conversations we always have is about Paul Diano and people who say... Yeah, you don't like Paul Diano. It's not... Yeah, no, I don't yeah, like Yeah, but Paul I Diano. do. I, I, I said, love Paul and, Diano. And Me and Paul. You're going to say the thing that everyone says, oh, yeah, they were, they were really punk. They sounded really that's punk right. when it was... Yeah, yeah. That's so, right. To which I say, oh, no... I mean, who wants to listen to punk rock? I'm running free. How many? Whoever listens to punk rock for more than one or two songs? I mean, it's unlistenable. You don't. It's irrelevant. Well, you're. But that's the same criticism people would level at Mark II Dickinson Maiden, well, or what you might like to call rock. New Variant Maiden. New Variant Maiden. No, I just think I, it's. You know, it, it it happens to all artists of whatever hue, doesn't it? I mean. You know, if you took the course of a novelist, you have an early explosion of vital work that kind of like the Big Bang. Later, they get very good at their craft. You read their later books and they're, they're beautifully structured. There's not a word out of place, but they don't quite have that essential spark of madness mm. that they had at the very start. Another one. Can I play with madness? The prophet stirred. But that's why they all get there because... You know, they're all written on bass. There's only so many songs you well, can no, write seven, on the bass. Seven, okay, well, let, let's let's break it down. Era one of The Maiden. Yeah. With, with Dickinson era one. Number, let's, talk here's about a run. Sam, let's talk about Samson first of all. Where Bruce comes from? Because here's the interesting thing. Maiden are this East End band, aren't they? You know, they come out of the East End. East End of London. There's, yeah. yeah, there's Steve Harris, who's lived with his nan or whatever it was. Oh, it wasn't, he was allowed to rehearse at his nan's house. We're not doing the early days. We're not That's doing, another I'm just, podcast. But I'm, just, I'm just setting I'm the scene. I'm talking Bruce Dickinson, I'm, I'm just setting, era maiden. I'm just setting the scene, Mr Interruption. We, we don't need you've, to set the scene. You've got one faction of the band that is this East End, hard, you know, hard-living, hard, heavy band. Then you've got Bruce who was at the time known boy. as Bruce Bruce. Because that was and, hilarious. Yeah, because that was hilarious. And had been in Samson, who had... A, who were also hilarious. Also, <laughs> Didn't well, they have Thunderstick Thunderstick and Paul Samson on, on guitar, obviously. Yeah, well, yeah. And Thunderstick on the drums. That's right. They could lest have called you, themselves lest, Thunderstick. Lest, lest you think Samson were named after the biblical figure. No, no, no. They were named after Paul Samson. Yeah, it wasn't until you said that that I thought, oh yeah, there was the other Samson, wasn't there? And I and you saying that makes me think, well, because the other Samson, when you cut his hair, he lost his he strength. Lost it, yeah. See, that's a nice metaphorical for image, Bruce. isn't it, for for metal, particularly then the new wave of British. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I don't know what you're talking but, about. But here's, but anyway, here's the thing. But what the point now is this: when <laughs> Bruce joins the band, is there's a kind of radical shift. Because you've got this very different character entering the band with his own style and his own ideas, which marries brilliantly with what Steve Harris wants to do. Yes. Because Steve, although, yes, I, you know, all joking aside, they did have that kind of punkish edge with Diano. All of a sudden, the melodic side of Steve Harris comes out. And what you get is this new melodic, but very, very heavy British heavy metal. I think they definitely ticked more boxes with the international market because um, Paul Diano. My feeling with Paul wasn't who so we're not, much who we're not talking about. My feeling way. with him wasn't so much that he was punk. Um, I think that is just the way he sang. Bruce um, with the the long hair. And with that much more Gillen-esque or Ronnie James, Ronnie James Dickinson, let's be fair, Bruce Dio. He wasn't it, that good. Not in the same league. He, he's not in the from, Ronnie But he came... Let's no, no, that's true. But he came from that tradition, if you like. Yeah, he did a... Yeah. yeah. Rather a lot of it, in fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'll bail out at this point. But there's that bit in Run to the yeah, Hills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go, here we go. Yeah, run to <laughs> the... See, you, both dun, of us got our fists dun, dun, in the air. Dun, 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 We're doing yeah. that. I, I never do that. I don't yeah. know why I'm doing that. Well, it's because they're running, running through dust clouds the... and barren plains, whatever it was. Oh, you know the words. Well, I know that bit. Ooh, yeah. I didn't know that bit. Yeah, it's all, it's all... It's a tremendous story of the old Wild West. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think but, so. What, you mean like Red Indians? Yeah. <laughs> Cowboys and Red Indians? Yeah, and other terminology that has since become... Defunct, um, yeah. but not in the Wild West days. Not in the Wild That's West. That's what they call no, them back Bruce then. Bruce still sings those words. Yes, yes he, he does. does. He does. Yeah. So, so seriously though, 
Talk about a run of amazing albums. Number of the Beast, Peace of Mind, which I still think is one of their best, Power Slave. Uh, that was when they went Egyptian, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, somewhere in Time. Uh, and then um, Seventh Son of, of a Seventh, seventh son. son. Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Yeah, that one. Who's drumming here? Is that <laughs> you, Nico? No, I'm Nico because I'm doing two. You're oh. you're Clive Edwards School. You're just doing one. Yeah, Clive Burr. Oh yeah, Clive Burr. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's a little known fact Clive that Edwards Clive present, Edwards was presents the BBC News. I think you'll find. No, no, Clive Edwards was the drummer of Wild Horses. Oh, was he? A very good drummer. Very good drummer. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, now that's a run of albums. I mean, I know not long after that. Well, straight after Seventh Son, Adrian Smith leaves. And that, to me, becomes a certain cut-off point because Adrian brought an aesthetic, if you like, to Maiden that was irreplaceable. They lost it when he left. Yeah. And, and, in fact, people would always say, well, Bruce was the, the, the outlier, the disruptor, because he wanted to... Um, for want of a better word, you know, Bruce wanted to be more credible, wanted to, to, to bring in influences that weren't just straight ahead heavy metal and failed, it has to be said. Whereas Adrian, without making a big show of it, actually did bring that broader kind of ref musical references in. I mean, um, Ryan Adams does a fantastic oh, version does. of Wasted, Wasted Years. Years. Yes, he Where does. you suddenly realise what a song. fantastic yeah. song that is. Yeah. There's an old Music Biz maxim that says um, the sign of a truly great song, even if it's Bohemian Rhapsody or whatever it is, is if you can play it on an acoustic guitar and yes, sing it. Yes, yeah. Well, there's a girl, so Damien Wilson, who is the singer in, I mean, he's Threshold and lots of kind of heavy metal bands, but he's also, he's had this most amazing career, Damien Wilson, where he's also sung in Les Miserables, and he's in an Iron Maiden tribute band an acoustic iron maiden tribute band and he does a version of the evil that men do oh, that's fantastic because he go. just him and an acoustic guitar slowed right down and it's so good and you just write yeah that's a great song they wrote great songs yeah. um uh, i mean seventh son had at least three big hit singles on it yeah evil that men do can i play with madness yes yeah and the other one. The other one. <laughs> what was the other one? Oh, it was great. We just though. sang it, didn't we? It was we? brilliant. Seventh son of a seventh son. No, there was another one. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. What the, yeah. No, there was. That one. That one that we all one. know. The we don't need to name we it. We don't even need to mention it. You we know don't even have to mention it. We don't know even what we're mentioning. It's that well known. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's this. this but let's get into the actuality because every time. Iron Maiden released an album, which was because uh, Kerrang! magazine, where we both worked at the time, this early phase of Maiden, the classic era, the release of an Iron Maiden album would be huge because they were the reader's favourite band. Every time, there, every time there was a, a poll, a reader's poll once every year, favourite band, always Iron Maiden. And they would, they were just untouchable. They would win this poll by streets. And I could never always really work it out because there were these other great bands around, but it was always... Maiden had this grip on the, on the on the consciousness. So it was a big moment when they released an album. And there would be this big build-up with their tremendous manager Rod Smallwood, who yes. would, uh, you know, for weeks on end would be teasing and priming the press with little snippets of what was going to happen. He was always very subtle as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Eee, yeah. It's bloody great. It's bloody great. And if you don't put it on the cover, I'll come around there. Yeah. But no, I mean, Rob would sort of take you out to lunch and tell you about the album and. By the time you actually got to hear it, you'd have been living with it in your mind for weeks. So it was really well marketed. And then, and then would come the great moment that it was ready to be appraised. It was ready to be appraised by Rock's leading critic. Pure objectivity. Pure objectivity. Rod would phone Jeff Barton <laughs> and ma as if by magic. Nick Wall, who never wrote album reviews, <laughs> would be summoned down from his Valhalla in the Sunset Marquee. It's true. Nick, Nick, <laughs> come in from the pool, the, the, the tape of the Maiden album's here. That's and right. you would be required to appraise it. I would. And, and I always 
was exceedingly fair, objective, <laughs> in no way. No. I think no the, gre- way... the greatest moment came when Seventh Son of a Seventh Son got seven Ks. <laughs> As, as and every to, single one of those deserved. Yes, well earned. Yes. Well earned. Yeah. Seven out of five. Seven out of five. That's right. From the Mick Wall jury. That's right. Yeah. And, and and well, in fairness, I thought it was their best album at that point. You did, and, and they and you said so. And I, and I think I'm still saying so. I think the thing about big, it being an event, though, was yes, also, was also would, reflective of this incredible relationship they had with their fans. Yes, yeah, which is, I suppose, what I'm trying to drive at, in that they, this incredible popularity they always had. And I, and I think that I think that would not have happened in the same way at that time had it not been for punk, not because Maiden were punk influenced, but. In the 70s, Sabbath, Zeppelin, Deep Purple, they really were perceived to be sort of on some kind of Valhalla. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you didn't have the feeling you'd go and have a pint with Exactly, them. whereas I think people thought they could do with Steve Harris. And, and he completely promoted that. Even as he departed in the limousine. Wow. Um, <laughs> no, I tell you what, though. No, the, no, he wasn't. I'm sure. Steve I'm, is I'm one of the most glib. authentic. He really is, yeah, yeah. Steve is one of the most authentic rock stars I've ever met because uh, sometimes to his detriment, you might say, because he absolutely is what he is and that's the end of that, like it or lump it. And I think fans respond very positively to that because authenticity, you can't fake it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's absolutely You can smell authenticity. And I think also in 1980, at a time when, similar to post-grunge, if you like, you know, the reason Diano had short hair was because no one had long hair anymore. Yeah. Um, suddenly, here's this guy. I mean, I mean, Phil Mogg didn't have particularly long hair. Phil Liner had an afro. Uh, Rob Halford didn't have any hair. Yeah. No, he did have hair at the time, yeah, but yeah. it wasn't... A few wispy bits. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, yeah. I mean, or, or Bon Scott. I mean, Bon yeah. did have long hair at one point, but it was more mullety. Yeah. You know, we, we had come from the, 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 the Robert Plant... Even Ozzy had tremendously long hair. We, that, that era would got was gone. Suddenly, here comes Steve Harris, a bit like Cliff Burton. Yeah, really Throw long back. straight yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tattoos. Yeah. I'm wristband. Gonna, wristband. Yeah. I'm going to ding a ling a ling But see, that, you're right. It was that amazing connection he had, which I and I suppose I was driving that when I was saying they would they would always win the readers' poll. And you try and work out what the connection is, but it was Steve because Absolutely. he because he also kept this iron grip on everything Maiden did. I mean, I'm sure we'll come on to the legendary occasion on which Bruce was, came round your flat to play you the songs he'd written for the Iron Maiden album. <laughs> now we'll mention yeah. that in a minute. Yeah. I, I, but, we may have but, told that story before, but, but we'll mention but, it. It's indicative of the grip that Steve had and the control that Steve had on the creativity of the band because he was the one with that antennae that sensed what was right for Maiden, what worked and what didn't. And, and you know, was it, as you say, you can't fake that. You can't try and understand it. You can't send it to a, a focus group to understand. It's just something he got naturally. Uh, absolutely, and I, and I think all the greats, in a way, you know, whether it's Metallica, they had that f- for at least the first five albums. Um, you know, one of, when I was growing up, the the big rock monsters were Sabbath, Zeppelin, Deep Purple, and because you didn't really see them on top of the pops, or they didn't, they weren't going to be on the radio with their latest. I mean, Purple had some hits, but that wasn't what they were known for you know they 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 were known that kind of distance that mystique yeah. was part of the enjoyment suddenly there's this world of iron maiden and then a bit later metallica motorhead might be another good example of this i don't want to say populist because i don't think steve ever was about populism he was about excellence it was just that his excellence was very very rigorous and I remember going out when they were doing Somewhere in Time, they were in Holland and I went out there, for whatever, and um, he was playing me the stuff and he was saying, he goes, this is what I do. He goes, I, I judge on whether a track will be on the Maiden album. Number one, do I like it? 
Number two. Have I written it? Will the will the fans <laughs> like it? Number three, has Bruce written it? <laughs> now, number one, do I like it? Number two, will the fans like it? Yeah. Number three, the critics. He goes, but in a in a way down there. Um, but mainly it was if he didn't like it, that's the end of the story yeah. right there. But once he likes it, is it an Iron Maiden song? Is it something Iron Maiden fans will give wholeheartedly to? And I've often argued in the past that that's that's an attitude to song creation that I'm not I'm not big on because I like the idea, more romantic idea if you like, that you create a wonderful piece of work and and people will come, as opposed to who is my audience? Let's tailor it towards that. But Steve was able to do that to the nth degree. Mm. To the point where it did cross the line sometimes into Mother Russia. Yeah, well, you know, or you're Alexander right. yeah, actually, the Great. I'm thinking about it because I suppose the the one thing everyone knew about Steve, if ever he was asked about his favourite band, is he, for, as an example, he's a big fan of Jethro Tull, wasn't oh, yeah. he? And you would, as you say, with most musicians, once they got to a certain point of success, they begin to indulge their their own fantasies of. Axel being a great example, you know, all of a sudden he goes from this, you know, warlike intensity of appetite for destruction and he's off doing Queen and Elton John and all that because that's his influence and that's what he really likes. He's gone Steve from- Harris has never turned up with the new Iron Maiden going, let me bring you songs from the woods, you know, with his acoustic guitar. He's never let that influence show, even though he's loved it. And he loves Genesis and he loves that kind of stuff. And Golden Earring. Yeah, Now you know where he got it from. Are you not instantly au fait with Radar Love? Radar Love. Yeah, I do. Not your version of it. The actual song Radar Love, I know that. I'm breaking it down. Yeah, I'm breaking it down for you, Into its individual notes. Particularly the bass. Unrecognisable. But Harry never, to the hills. Harry never did that, did he? He never, he never came out with his sort of, you know, his saucy jack or whatever. He, he really never made his concept album with the London Philharmonic. No, absolutely. It was always and, and, and bang, when, when straight Bruce, down the line. When Bruce did a solo album, I remember saying to Steve, you know, because you feel obliged, you go, well, would you ever do yeah. a solo album? And he was like, these weren't his exact words, but his correct response was, I made an arm myself. So, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. I mean, you do get that with guys in bands where, you know, you sort of think it's a bit like sort of Tony Banks in Genesis or something where essentially Genesis is his solo work, you know. All the others went off and had quite big solo careers. Tony never did because Genesis was essentially his thing. And also because I think he did try he did he made a few albums but they but they sounded they sounded exactly like genesis but without the benefit of having genesis on there yeah yeah exactly bill collins singing it exactly did you ever see that single um tony banks did with fish no i know i I remember it now you say it it was a 12 inch single with a picture sleeve (laughs) and tony banks like most people well tony no not like most people tony banks is not a tall person okay Fish is a very tall person. Tony Banks is quite sort of English and, and I don't want to say weedy, but professorial. And then there's Fish, this huge, big, fat Scotsman. And the, and the, the, the picture cover was Tony is standing there in a Marillion T-shirt <laughs> and Fish is standing next to him about four feet taller, <laughs> huge belly yeah. in a Genesis T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, and they're both kind of like doing these gormless grins. And it was like, and actually that leads back to Maiden. I remember Rod, early on with Maiden, they were doing some photos with someone and he went, stop bloody smiling! You don't mm. bloody smile in pictures! And I thought, that's interesting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, uh, and that fish and Tony Banks are both gurning and being matey, and there's nothing sexy or yeah, no, that's mis- right. mysterious yeah. about yeah. Maiden would be like that. Yeah, they would be. They would have Give that. It the bigger, but then know? I think you know the the whole thing with the Bruce both Bruce eras is is Dickinson for whatever reason, oh, and I fully understand it because he's a bit of a Renaissance man himself. You know, we we use the term loosely. I don't know what. <laughs> you know, he's held a sword and attempted to write a book, but. 
And he and flies, flo- fl- flies, flies, flies plays. I mean, yeah, a clever guy. He's got man of many talents. But he's constrained by Steve's vision. And, and Steve's vision is Rod's vision. And... He's constru- and he and he has he wants to break out of that. He wants his own outlet. He's not like sort of Adrian Smith or Dave Murray who are content to write a couple of songs on the album or whatever. Well, Adrian you know. was, but he yeah. Left but then first. Adrian, Adrian leaves and does his thing, but comes back, doesn't he? Obviously. Um, but what my point is with, with Bruce is that I think you know he sees himself as probably the third wheel there. You've got mm. Steve, you've got Bruce, you've got Rod. Those three are the kind of power unit behind the band. Well, I, well, I think Bruce that was the problem is, in era one. Yeah, no, no yeah. more. Not in, the se- not in the yeah, not in the second. Because no, they I reconciled. Think it's different. Their they had very much, and I know Bruce and Rod are sort of very close. I think they, in sitcom style, lived next door to one another <laughs> for a while or something, which would have been very funny, you know. I, I remember being in a car with Rod and Bruce. I don't know what show it was. Some some show in London, not not Maiden, and. Um, Maybe it was Wasp or something. Yeah. Um, Rod managed yeah. them, didn't they? But it's sort of a Rod night out, but it's not Maiden. And we're driving back in the car. And because Bruce used to live in Chiswick, which was the next suburb to Ealing where I lived, uh, they're dropping me first and then Rod's mm. taking Bruce home. And it's pissing with rain. And yeah, like, they dropped you first because I didn't want you to come in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Christ. Yeah, Ealing is further yeah. out, but yeah, we, we, don't, can, we don't fucking want him God coming. he's gone. We'll we can to, talk yeah. now, right? We'll have to Ex- let him in, yeah. That was clearly the thing, except <laughs> yeah. Bruce is drunk, okay? <laughs> and Live After Death has just come out a few oh, weeks before. Oh, there we go. The live double, double album. live album. And, uh, and they're driving, and I'm in the back seat, and Bruce has had a few to drink, so he's not... Bruce isn't driving. No, no, Rod is driving. <laughs> Rod has also had a lot to drink, but he, he's a Yorkshireman. You know, they, they be, he, he was drinking before he could shave. Of yeah, course he can yeah. drive. Um, and Bruce is going, so what's the latest figures on the album in America? And Rod, conscious of the fact I'm in the back, yeah. is going... Um, you, with, your note, with your journalistic notepad. <laughs> yeah, not oh, just yeah. collapsed drunk <laughs> in the back, burbling. <laughs> and... Um, Rod is like, oh, I, I, we're, we're just coming up to the 750,000 mark, which in if you think about it with the bloke in the... It probably means we might sell 500,000 yeah. if we're lucky. He goes, we're just coming up to the 750 mark. And Bruce is like, what? Is that all? Is that all? And Rod's like, well, that's pretty good for a double live album. And Bruce is like, oh, no, I would have thought we'd be platinum by now. And Bruce is, Rod's kind of like... Shut up, shut up. No, no, that's very good. Bruce, very good, isn't it, Mick? Oh, (laughs) whatever. I'm not here, boys, you know. Um, I forgot what I was telling that story. That was a good story because you'd been driven to Chiswick. They were trying to avoid going to to Chiswick before they went to Ealing, which is very difficult to do because you do get to Chiswick (laughs) before you get to Ealing. So they did the big... They probably went on the old North Circular, didn't they? But... um, uh, but but here's the thing. I mean, those were empire-building days. And I think it's always easy to look back and go, ah, well, you can see, and then this piece came into play and it all worked. Yeah. But Steve built the whole thing. You know, Dave Murray is the only other constant member in that lineup. Yeah. And so it was Steve that brought in Adrian, brought in Bruce, brought in... Nico. Uh, Cl- Clive Burr and then Nico. I mean, Clive was still in the group when Bruce joined. So it was still an ongoing process. And in fact, uh, around about the time of Power Slave, it did look for a moment behind closed doors if Nico might be out, out on his ear. Oh, ah. there's an exclusive revelation <laughs> from Mr. Mick Wall. Um, Were you again being driven through towards Ealing? No, no. In when fairness, you overheard Bruce no, saying to Rod, Get it was when I was working on their official biography, <laughs> and Rod told me the story. Did it's he? in the book? Well, as far as tell I know. the story, then tell well, the story. Well, Nico, That's what we're Nico, here for. You know, you, we're Nico, not here for what you Nico, think of the album. Nico McBrain. Okay, we used to call him the Mad McBrain. Do you remember? You probably don't remember. We used to call him the Mad McBain. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think you need you you need to refer to a man with the surname McBrain, (laughs) who's chosen to adopt that name. 
well, don't think you need to append mad he, to it. I think Nico he, is definitely one of the great characters of rock. Yeah, and but he's one of those people. <laughs> if you see him coming towards you, you might. Not if he turns you his might, head sideways. Yeah, you, you, no, 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 you might go. You might go. Oh, I, I wonder if that's the wonder if the cabs here. <laughs> What, mate? What? <laughs> yeah. He was about as far from Bruce as yeah, you could yeah, get. Even yeah. on stage, he'd be yeah. as far what from What was it? His girlfriend, used my sweetie. I'm going to tell you the story. Oh, there you go. Sorry, sorry. Shut up and let me sorry. tell you. So well, She was perennial. She was even referred to that in Kerrang, wasn't she? My <laughs> sweetie, whatever her name That was. would be in one of the stories I wrote. Yeah. Um, so Nico joins in time for Peace of Mind. Right. And he plays brilliantly on it. Peace of mind at that point, for Steve anyway, was the best made now. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, just to interrupt really oh briefly. Oh, my God. Before we get into Nick, is that, yeah, he was a brilliant drummer. It sounds like he got about 10 arms when he's doing his <laughs> stuff on, on Maiden Records. So, yes, let's get that clear. Great drummer. Interesting character. I'm glad we got that clear. On that was go. definitely worth interrupting the story just to get it that was. clear. Yeah, It was. So Get um, on with it. He, <laughs> fucking trying. <laughs> so Nico comes in. Peace of Mind also begins with a great flurry of drums, the first track. But Peace of Mind also, not only is it Steve's favourite album so far, it becomes their first genuine platinum record in America. Yeah. What are you doing on your phone? I'm not. I'm just looking. Don't be looking on the phone. <laughs> I'm looking don't be looking at, I got it all covered here mate oh, why are you looking at the time when I'm talking but when you're talking we've got to shut up and listen um, so Nico comes in as they're hitting a crest of a wave and suddenly this guy who has spent um, you know he's well into his 30s at this point he's spent well, most of his career not in, not in successful rock bands suddenly he's in one of the most successful in the world and they're getting bigger yeah and like all drummers, uh, he is an exuberant personality, shall we say. And he kind of takes it to the limit on the Power Slave tour, which sent, in fairness, sent them all mental. I mean, it was 13 months long. In those days, they would do four or five shows back to back. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, month in, month out, just forever and ever and ever in, in those days. And Nico starts to... Um, uh, go a bit over the top. Um, and I just remember there were lots and lots of occasions, but the one you were referring to, I remember <laughs> we got to LA, staying at the Sunset Marquee, where not only do they have nice suites, but they have villas. They, and, have, it and, um, they have it all. They have it all. But because it's LA, LA becomes where you bring the wives and girlfriends. You bring the wags. Yeah. Um, because, it's great. I mean, it's great shopping. It's great weather. It's great hotels everything it's not like being in you know so, uh, so, fargo so, or somewhere like that no yeah. you don't go listen we're doing a show in idaho <laughs> yeah, yeah. let's get everybody out there because they'll love that yeah yeah no you've all been nice uh, good girls and supported us and don't moan too much and so here we go here's la go shopping and traditional um, relationships absolutely had. and um and nico's got a new girl girlfriend american girlfriend whose name i can't remember at the moment but um, he calls her his sweet pea. <laughs> sweet pea, that's Hello, it. sweet that's pea. That's it, sweet right. pea. And he gets it, and Tony, poor old Tony Wiggins, the tour manager, is giving out the room keys. And, um, of course, I'm last, which is fair enough. <laughs> but I'm standing with Tony she as he gives lucky me my to key. Be there, mate. All the guys have... They were meant to have dropped you in Ealing. You're in fucking LA. <laughs> They've all run to their rooms. I'm run to your rooms. Um... And Tony and me are chatting, you know, because the, the kids have gone, so now yeah. the grown-ups can talk. And next thing, Nico bursts through the door. Oi! I ain't having it! And Tony's like... <laughs> Tony was very mild, mildly spoken. His previous gig had been with Gilbert O'Sullivan. <laughs> I think I told you he used to walk around in his slippers yeah. and a cardigan. Yeah. Yes, N Nico. Yeah. Yes, Nico. Some people used to call him Nico. I ain't having it. So I, what's the problem? He goes, my room is a fucking dump, isn't it? I, it's not good for my sweet pea. I'm not going to show that to my sweet pea. And Tony's like, it's exactly like everybody else's room. Well, it ain't good enough. So they have to move Nico to another room at the hotel, which is probably identical yeah. again. 
but maybe just a slightly yeah, different the shape. Yeah, bed's of, pointing in a different direction. Balcony overlooking the yeah, pool or something yeah. like that. That's better. <laughs> Don't let it happen again. So he was kind of a bit full on. Yeah. And, and Rod told me there came a moment on that tour where he literally had to put Nick on the tour bus one night while the others are in the show. And um, said to him, right, let's have a drink. Uh, one for you, one for me. And he said, right, Nico, if you don't... I don't know the exact words, but Rod told me, he said, basically, uh, Nico, unless you get your act together, you're out of the band. Oh, right. And it wasn't the playing. Because one of the reasons Steve loved Nico's playing, particularly live, was... You notice with Clive Burr, for instance, Steve would always be over at the drums going to him, speed up, mm. quicker, faster! You know, even though Clive would be playing the exact same beat yeah, yeah. the song is supposed to be at. Well, Nico never needed any encouragement. Steve would be over there going, faster, Nico, fucking right! <laughs> so, for instance, on, on um, Power Slave, I think it was Flight of Icarus, and Bruce had written that one specifically so it would get on American radio because it had that shuffle. It was like dun 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 And then, but when they did it live, it'd be dun 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 faster dun 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 dun. So was that one that went fly on your way like an eagle? Was that that one? No, I think that was fly like an eagle. Listen, yeah. isn't every Maiden song got the line, fly on your way like well, it an could eagle be, yeah, in it? Conceivably, yeah, but you could see Icarus taking off for the sun <laughs> and Bruce went, fly well, could on be your way like high. an eagle. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. Who yeah. knows? Who yeah. knows? Yeah. And if it isn't, it should be. Should be. One, should be. Tip for the new album, boys. Yeah. See, that's the great thing about Maiden is their aesthetic can be No, I think you're thinking of Peace of Mind because there was a track called Where Eagles Dare. Uh, well, what I was going to say is the great thing about Maiden is their aesthetic can be fitted to any part of history. They can do Ancient Egypt and they can do the Battle of Britain. On the same uh, album? On the same album and it fits together. Aces High It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. Aces High. I know, that's why, Battle I, of Britain. that's why I said it. That's Aces why I, High. <laughs> so, so someone's put a penny in the slot. You said ch- chirped up. And then, with a, rhyme of the ancient man. Yeah. All you have to do is to turn that into a song about the Russian Revolution. Is get Nico to do a different sort of. Here come the Cossacks and the the. People that you know, the what do you call it? That no was the Cossacks, wasn't idea. it? Who did Ma, the Russia, Dance of the Tsars, you know. <laughs> does it really go Dance of the Tsars? Of course it does. Of course it does. My favourite though was Alexander the Great. <laughs> he was yeah. really great and his name was Alexander. Yeah. This is Steve paid attention in history. <laughs> uh, I liked well, history, I didn't like maths. <laughs> So I'm just going to make a quick note here. Note to self that everything we're no note to you. Yes, everything we're saying now relates to era one. one. Now, yes. when it comes to era two, here's here, I'll kick it off, and then you you can run with it. For me, era one ended when Adrian left, and they brought Yannick Gers in, right? Because yeah. Yannick, fabulous uh, guitarist. <laughs> Um, Heavy metal credentials Yannick had, didn't he? So he'd been in Gillen. He'd been in Gillen. And, yeah. and, well, there, there you go. We're talking about Diano's hair. No one, in, and I, I did Gillen's PR when Yannick joined, no one in Gillen had long hair. Yannick had long, proper yeah. long hair. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably one of the reasons Steve liked him as well, because he really did look. Because Adrian was another short hair, yeah, I'm a, yeah, bit, a little yeah. bit modern yeah, you know. was he the one who liked going fishing, or was that? Yeah, that's Adrian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now they did fear of the dark. They did fear bring of your the dark. daughter to the fear slaughter. Of the dark. That's a good one. <laughs> I yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I wasn't keen on it, but bring your daughter to the slaughter was their number one, wasn't it? Which Rod pushed for. I think he he. Rod Smallwood, it was uh, a uh, his many, the solo track. yeah, one of his many many talents 
was he he was the one who sussed that uh there was a kind of sales lull when people used to sell reasonable records. amounts of records and yeah. singles yeah. that in between christmas and new year there was a, a week where you know, you could sell you a tenth of that sta- amount and still got the sti- charts. Yeah, and Maiden would always sell the same amount of singles because their fan base was incredibly yeah. loyal. So yeah. if Rod did all the formats, which he used to do, be a 7-inch oh, yeah. and a 12-inch. Same people buying every- the same record Exactly, everything, everything would have a different reason to buy it, a different track or a free badge or, a, you know, something or other. And he realised that in this week, if he did that, applied those principles that week, Maiden would get to number one. They were number one for three weeks, but here's what used to stick in my craw. Uh, Top of the Pops, which if if you don't live in Britain, it's hard to understand how influential that that show was. Um, They were the chart show every Thursday night, and and it was whatever was in the charts, so all all kinds of music. And I remember timing it because the first time I saw Top of the Pops, A, didn't have them on the show or they Mm. wouldn't go on the show. So they showed a filmed clip, right? And the first time, it's the number one. The whole show builds up yeah. to the, and this week's number one, and that's the big moment. It didn't seem to be on for long. So the second week, they're number one again. And I thought, that's weird. I'm going to time it. So, <laughs> so I did. Okay. Do you know how long they're on for? Dear BBC, this is what you're I think you will find. Dear Points of View. <laughs> dear Barry Cryer. Dear Top of the Pops. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how long they were on for? One minute and 45 seconds. Really close. One minute 20. Bloody hell. That is One bad. One minute. I mean, that is didn't... really... So you yeah. basically just got, you know, bring your daughter. No, and they wouldn't even have her. the beginning. They would just cut to the band on yeah. the chorus. Bring your daughter. To bring the daughter. To the sword. I mean, it's a tremendously festive song apart from anything else. Who doesn't at Christmas have that very sentiment? I know I do. Yeah, I, I, I do. And I'm a I'm not a Christmas guy. No, no, you're not a Christmas guy. I'm definitely guy. not a festive you're, kind no, of guy. No. You know, I, I tend to think a lot of suicide you, when it comes to Christmas. You're, you're As do you're, we all, let's be fair. Yeah, well, yes, yes. I mean you're more of a Venom man. Venom, of course, released the great Black Christmas as their Christmas single, which was a great song. It went, Black Christmas, Devil's Eve. Brilliant song, good old Kronos. Uh, we should do. We've got to do one on we black do a cover. metal. We should do a cover. A cover. We should put a record out. That's what we should do. <laughs> Me and you. We should put a record out. Yes, yeah, the, yeah. We will. We will look into the actuality yeah. in due course. But my point is this: uh, Bruce We're doing had second his era crack. of Bruce now. Bruce had his crack at solo stardom and Didn't it flopperooned. Yeah. It flopperooned. He did some good music, but no one cared. Um, what was at that strange time, wasn't it? Because I remember interviewing him. Was it Tattooed Millionaire or something? It was well, that, was, that was, he was still in the band when he did. That was his first solo, when he had all the young dudes on it. Yeah, that's right. And Tattooed Millionaire was a not so thinly veiled dig. Dig. Ari Aris. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was just, I think it was at a weird time where maybe grunge was coming along. I don't know. What, the first solo album? No, or one of the, whatever the, one the, I interviewed. The, the, when I'm he leaves now, in 93. I'm thinking now it wasn't. Yeah, well, there you go, middle of grunge. He leaves in 93 because he wants to be part of the revolution. Yeah, yeah. And like like all of those people who wanted to be part of the revolution, it transpired <laughs> that the revolution did not want them to be part of it, Motley Crue and so on. Uh, yeah, because uh, uh, it was really funny, because at one end you had Motley Crue and Bruce going grunge. At the other end you had people like Bon Jovi <laughs> Sort of going slightly great. It was just insane. Well, yeah. Bon Jovi didn't go grunge, yeah, grunge but, but he but cut cutting his their hair. hair, and all uh, of a sudden we were, yeah, yeah. yeah and, it's and, my life, and not. reconfiguring that Whitney Houston song. Yeah. I will always love you, Bon Jovi. Always and I will. I think it went like that. That's how I was like going to go. Yeah. Um, Def Leppard didn't go grunge, but they definitely mm, wavered with, with slang. They definitely yeah. had a shot at doing something different. Maiden didn't really do anything different. They got Blazing, who at the time I thought, what Good. a great choice. Yeah. He's kind of somewhere between Diano and Dickinson. Yeah. Geezer, like Paul, 
but uh, more of that sort of slightly operatic. Yeah, you could do the heavy metal stuff. Yeah. But both of these things do not take off. And suddenly by 1999, Bruce is back. Bruce's caveat is I'm coming back, but I want Adrian coming with me. Mm. Harris's caveat is all right, we'll have them back, but we're not getting rid of Yanni. Yeah. So we end up like Leonard Skinner with about 10 guitars. Well, I don't think any of those reasons were musical. I think Mm. they were political. You know, Yannick and Steve, you know, bonding. um, And Adrian and Bruce had always written together. They wrote Two Minutes to Midnight together and lots of that stuff. Um, So it was kind of a compromise. Um, And... That, for me, is where things just became a little bit too much because it really... Iron Maiden were born to be over the top and now they're sort of over, over the top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just think it was a... For me, it's still a case of too many cooks spoil the broth. Yannick's fabulous, but you don't need Yannick, Dave Murray and Adrian Smith, whereas Dave and Adrian is a great counterpoint. Dave being the Blackmore fiend... And Adrian not really being about the solo, being about the song. Yeah. And it worked. I thought that balance was beautiful. Also, after Yannick joined, you got this weird spectacle of poor old Davy Murray trying to keep up because you got this whirling dervish. Yeah. Adrian never used to move. Now suddenly you've got a whirling dervish, mm. and poor old Dave's on his toes. Yeah. But then I suppose that it came at the right time in that they're now, like all bands of that era, essentially a legacy act, aren't yep. they? And yep. they do fantastically well on the road. They clean up whenever they go on tour, piloted by Bruce, <laughs> which I mean, <laughs> I never really got that. I never really got I wouldn't do that. It's, it's, I don't know. I wouldn't want the bloke. You know, who just flying, finished his gig? Yeah, flying us to the next. Flying one. us to the, yeah. However yeah. much energy he's got, so yeah. just take the weight off, mate. Yeah. You know, just it, there would be a co-pilot though, wouldn't there? <laughs> you fucking, You'd hope, fucking so. hope so, wouldn't you? Yeah. I think it's illegal to fly massive because it's never seven five seven. Well, no, seven forty. Actually, that reminds me. I was thinking of this before we started today, and I want you to clear this up for me, knowing that you are a big Saxon fan. Yes. 747, Strangers in the Night. Yeah. One of the great rock songs. For God's sake, get the ground lights on. But the words perplex me. Yeah. So it goes, uh, 747, Strangers in the the Night. night. Hang on. Coming down in the night. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then it goes... Strangers in the night. This is a bit. Strangers in the night, both on separate flights, yeah. going nowhere. Yeah. What I'm thinking is <clears throat> they're on different flights yeah. in the middle of the night. Yeah, and they're both And crashing. they've never met. Yeah, but they're both crashing. Is that what the link is? <laughs> I don't know. Doesn't mean it's like two planes don't crash at the same time. No, they don't. No, it's like tonight. tonight There's going to be a jailbreak somewhere in this town. Well, yeah, presumably at the jail. Yeah, but you don't go. Well, I'm breaking out of this jail, and a complete stranger (laughs) is breaking out of that jail, and we've somehow got something in common. Sounds good, doesn't it? Strangers in the night. Yeah, but not seven forty-seven. Yeah, but strangers in the night, not both on separate flights. No, because then you just wouldn't know each other. You're strangers I'm crashing. Anyway. I'm on a plane yeah. in the night, a stranger, and I'm crashing, but I'm connecting with this other plane that is also crashing with someone on it I've never yeah. met. Yeah. How, uh, how do we're both on separate, separate flights, going nowhere? Now, it should have been. It should have been. Uh, strangers in the night, dun, 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 dun. both wearing tights, yes. going yeah. nowhere. That would be your fantasy. I don't know about everyone else's. <laughs> anyway, now, my dear friend, Kevin Shirley, who has produced all the era two. <laughs> my, my dear friend. My dear friend, my he very good friend. He moved to Australia to avoid you. <laughs> no, no, I, I know you're listening, Kevin. Yeah. And my, my love, you know, runs deep. Um Kevin has produced all of those records, and I love yeah. Kevin's work. And I love Caveman, the, and I love the Maiden. Yeah, but I I'm going to throw it out there again. 
Name me one song that you could put in the same category as Can I Play With Madness, Number of the Beast, Run to the Hills, um, uh, Wasted Years, Stranger in a Strange Land. I mean, I could go on. So your point is there are now enough people in Iron Maiden to come up with a decent song. But they don't. But they've failed to do so. Well, they come up with great music, but it's epically proportioned. But it's just, I mean... And, and Kevin even, was saying even he literally has they, to find room even for all three guitarists. They, even were they to come up with another Wasted Years or another mm. run to there was another mm. hit, mm. it wouldn't be a hit in today's climate. It wouldn't be a hit because the people that buy Iron Maiden records wouldn't go out and buy it in, <laughs> I don't, in no, a sense no, I'm that not would get let, No, I'm not letting them off the hook for that because they've been back together since, what, 98, 99? I don't know. Yeah, there was no... We still had record shops in those days. It still had Top of the Pops in those days. Yeah, that's true. That's you know, but I'm sure if you ask Rod, is... Rod would make the point very forcefully that oh, they... he would, yeah. but it would wouldn't mean anything, you know, because you know he's their greatest defender of the faith. He isn't is, he? he is. He's the he's the ninth member of the band. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to let them off the hook a little bit because um, you know I've seen them live. You're their official biographer. Former, former official. You resigned from that post. No, I didn't resign <laughs> so much. When that, when that, as... cat, when that car pulled up in Ealing, mate, you were fired <laughs> out the fucking back doors <laughs> by the bins. That was the end of that. No, <laughs> but, no. But, but lads, I'm your official biographer. As the tail lights disappear towards Chis, towards going uh, nowhere, yeah, towards the bright lights of Chiswick. <laughs> Twinkling on the river where mm. all the rich people... Oh, very much so. Very yeah, much so. very much so. So, Maiden, the future. We've been hearing they're going to... We've been hearing they're going to retire for about ten years doesn't now. doesn't matter if there's a future, does it? I mean, it's... Every time Kevin does an album with them, I keep it's getting It's the this, last album. It's, That'd be rock, Don't tell it? anybody, yeah. but this is the last this album. Is the last They've one. been telling everybody for 15 the years. The farewell tour. That was Rod's always brought at Donington. Your, your only chance to see them this year is at Donington. <laughs> the Monday after Donington, here comes Frankel. We, oh, we're just so... We want to reward our loyal fans for coming Absolutely. to Donington with a full UK tour. Oh, God yeah. bless them. God bless them. See, my fist is in the air and again. And it'll be called the fist Celebrate the Us at Don- Selling Out Donington UK Tour. Yeah, for those that couldn't yeah. make it. Yeah. For the little and people. And those that could. And if you were there, you can still come. Yeah. In yeah. fact, we not, need not, you to come again not, and again and nothing, again. But you can still come. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, just to be clear, can you even name one album in the second oh, era? But I can't. Name any Iron Maiden albums? I haven't. Can't you? Well, I can do the early ones. Early ah, ah. Only because you said them earlier. I remember one of one of Blaze's was called Virtual Eleven or something. I'm talking um, Era Two, Bruce era two. Dickinson. I can't. That's weird, isn't it? Did they must have made a big hoo ha about the comeback one? But yeah, what was that called? Oh, I'm not going to tell you if you don't know. I don't know. Well, I, don't I know. do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 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 So what do you think of that? Yeah. <laughs> okay, another thing you, you did say to me uh, is that they are the greatest... Greatest ...heavy band metal band... With the, ...with the initials IM ever. No, it isn't what you said. You said, when we were talking about this on another occasion, you said the greatest heavy metal band ever. No, I don't think I did. Yes, that's exactly I what don't you think I I'm going to hold you that. to that. The greatest British heavy metal band ever. Oh, okay. No, because they're not as good as Black Sabbath. There's no way you could trump Sabbath. And that's not a bad thing from Maiden. It's a thing of ear. It's in the same way that people go on and on about the Beatles. It's not because they're the best ever. It's because they're the first. You no, 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 I think, no, 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 no. That. That's because they are the best ever. They're really not. They invented we that, everything. We know that. They're yeah. all roads. If you, if you get the there first... No, if you get there first, yeah. that would have been Buddy Ollie. But then you can't be... So Maiden can never be, you know, the bands that came before them. So they can never be the greatest heavy metal band of all time. Oh, I'll make some claims from them. I are think they're they way the... better than Jethro Tull. Way yeah. better than um, Golden Earring. Let me bring you songs from the wood. Yeah, we should do a Jethro Tull. No, Tom. we're definitely never doing <laughs> Jethro Tull. I used to do two shows a week on the Planet Rock. And the, the guy who was in charge of the station, yeah. I think, had once bummed the singer or something. <laughs> because fuck me, every show you have to play, 
Akulong. Akulong, my friend, don't oh. you start away uneasy. Oh, you know, Arliss, I went to Ian Anderson's house. Oh, because <laughs> he's another one. You live in <laughs> fucking live Stella yeah. Street, don't you? <laughs> yes. I went to God, he lives near you, went doesn't went he? Went to, went to, uh, he fucking lives near well, you. At the time, he lived in Beckham's Roger Taylor, Russ Ballard, <laughs> John Hotton... Brian May, and then down the end of the street... Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson, he obviously. In, Ian Anderson lived in a place... It was so big, it had two addresses. <laughs> <laughs> it did. I, I'm going to take like your two addresses. an entrance over here that was one address. It had an entrance over somewhere. Amazing guy, yeah. You and know. you went there? I went there, yeah. Of course you did. Interviewed him, On your yeah. quad bike. It was good, and I... And, no, I didn't go on a quad, but they were, I'm trying to think what album he And a done. horse. You went on a fucking horse, didn't you? Yeah. Brr, brr, brr. Ian! Brr, brr. John! Yeah, Hail Hearty! Well, he had his jodhpers on. Brr, brr. I've, interviewed, I've interviewed two rock stars who were wearing jodhpers. <laughs> one of them was Ian Anderson, the other one was David Coverdale. <laughs> does he also live in your fucking no, street? No, he, he no, does, old does Cove. he? You know where old Cove lives. You you probably he, he is a citizen of the world. He, he is, but he lives. Jonathan. He, he's a citizen of the world, but he doesn't live in any old part. He of lives world, in he? my he's heart, in, yeah. Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. So anyway, I think we can conclude this episode yes. by, by saying Maiden, definitely better than Jethro Tull, definitely better than all the other new wave of British heavy metal bands. Yes, of course. Yes. Um, and still one of your all-time favourites. Still one of my favourites, even though I don't know their songs or albums or yeah. who's in the band. Yeah. Well, I do. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a review, share it with a friend, or plain old subscribe wherever you listen to it. To get you some conversation online, follow us on Twitter at GetcherPod. Until next time. This has been a No Filter Media production. Say what you want.